Welcome, welcome. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round podcast. It is week 14 of the 46th annual Quadrennial Games. Biden. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. So. Uh, oh, I do have to apologize. It seems I had a bit of a technical snafu last week. My uh, my wife was tinkering in the office, and uh, she was trying to untangle some cords, and uh, she unplugged my microphone to get the, the cords untangled, and then when she plugged it back in, my, uh, my computer reverted back to the built-in mic on my on my on my Mac, so <laughs> that's why it was so quiet last week. It's probably a good thing, since I was so animated in my uh, disdain for all of the jackassery going on. So let's get started. Politics, 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 politics. Yes, the Roman Senate. The Roman Senate is the best legislature that money can buy. Corruption starts in the streets with the little peddlers. They bribe an assemblyman. The assemblyman bribes a council. The council bribes a senator. And the senator, it goes all the way up to the emperor. Shit. Biden, Biden, Biden. What can you say about this buffoon? So, (laughs) I think, personally, the left is doing everything they can to wreck the economy. They really, truly are. So, we have a border crisis, which they don't acknowledge for, I don't know, how long has he been in office? Since January 20th? And they didn't acknowledge it until a week and a half ago. That's that's good. Brilliant. Then he puts a self-avowed socialist in charge of the border a month ago. She's held no press conferences, and by she I'm referring to your benevolent comrade Kamala. You're soon to be POTUS, because we all know Biden's not making it a full four years. So you get Comrade Kamala and this idiot. She literally went to the wrong border. She's up in New Hampshire on the border with Canada, presumably to start getting feedback for her presidential run in 2024. But who knows why she's up there. It makes zero sense. But she's literally the only comment... (laughs) The only comment that she's made about the border crisis is that the reason for the border crisis is because of climate change. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Does she not own... An atlas. Has she never taken a geography class? Because last time I checked, Central and South America, the equator, warmer climates, they typically do pretty well with agriculture. Not sure why they're moving here to take agriculture jobs and go do stuff in the fields. I mean, yeah, if you want to come here for a better life and get away from the crime and the cartels, yeah, I get it. But we have a process. And the process is not open friggin' borders. But that's what the left wants because they think 
if they let enough people in, then give them all kinds of, quote, free stuff that you and I have paid for, those people will vote Democratic for the rest of their lives. They're not doing this at the border for any other purpose than a political one. They're just simply trying to increase their voter rolls so that we don't ever have a Republican president again. But what they don't understand is that America's watching. People that are center-left or even moderate-left, well, I guess that's one and the same, but you get my point. They're leaving the Democratic Party in droves. They voted Democrat their entire lives. And these two idiots have been in there less than six months, and they are swelling the Republican voter rolls because of their idiocy. Idiocy. Idiocy! And now, as, as if the border problem wasn't enough of an issue, Biden is out there now touting tax hikes. He's out there proclaiming that his, his next initiative will be to increase the capital gains tax for long-term long -term stock tax rates. So short-term stocks, these are things that you flip within a year. They're going to get taxed like they normally would. I think it's like 20%, 0 to 20%. But the long-term stuff, they want to increase that tax rate to almost 40%. Okay, so, oh, but it's only going to apply to people that make over a million dollars a year. Okay, so if you take that logic and you unpack that, what you have is a higher tax rate for the people who own large businesses, who own mom and pop shops, you know, grocery stores, um, uh, hardware stores, things of that nature. So these are the people that have, you know, small businesses. But yeah, I mean, if they're doing it right, they're they're making some coin. But you're going to tax them at a higher rate. So let's follow the the non happy path. If we want to talk in in IT terms, you got a happy path and a non happy path. The non-happy path says, you tax me at a higher rate, I'm going to lay people off. Because now you're affecting my ability to make money. And if I want to keep making money at the same rate or at the same level that I was making before, guess what? I'm slashing my workforce by 20%. It's like nobody ever took an economics class. And for the love of all things holy... The university that issued AOC a degree in economics, they need to revoke it. Because she's an idiot. She has never cracked an econ book in her life. Because if she did, she'd know that socialism sucks. Socialism doesn't work. Socialism has never worked in any country where anyone tried to implement it ever. Ever. I give you Venezuela. Look at that little shithole. They have gone from a robust economy to hyperinflation. The gas is cheaper than water in that country. Gas is cheaper than water. Say it again. You literally have bread lines that stretch for blocks. But 
And it's one of the richest countries in South America when it comes to oil reserves and precious metals and gems. It's one of the richest countries. And they have driven it into the ground under the auspices of socialism. I find it interesting that in, <laughs> in the annals of history, every country that has tried socialism, they've all willingly voted their way into it, but they've all had to shoot their way out of it. That is a fact. You get socialism, the only way out is violently. And they are trying, come hell or high water, to get as much crap through the two houses of Congress so that we can become a more socialist state. And <laughs> Congress, I'll tell you, so Pelosi's got an eight-vote advantage in the House. And what they do this week? They went and they said, Washington, D.C. should be uh, represented equally in, in, in Congress. You know, taxation without representation. Well, here's the problem. It's illegal by the standard of the Constitution. And to be honest, it would make more sense from a constitutional standpoint if they tried to make Puerto Rico a state before Washington, D.C. But in either case, they just, they want to increase their stranglehold on any amount of power that they can grab while the getting's good. While they got a Democrat in the White House, while they have a basically they have a majority in the in the Senate with Comrade Kamala's tie-breaking vote as president of the Senate with a 50-50 split, and her eight votes that Pelosi has in the in the House, I'm telling you, 2022 is going to be real interesting, and it's going to get even more interesting. And crazier when Biden steps down. There's no way that dude makes it four years. None. It's going to be a total shit show. But coming back to <laughs> Comrade Kamala's comment about the border being the direct result of climate change. I swear to you. It is such crap. Okay, so... Those two things have absolutely nothing to do with each other. <laughs> the sea level is rising at a steady rate, and it's about three quarters of an inch a year. And it has been the same rate for the last 150 years. They actually have data that proves it. But, oh God, no. <laughs> Whole countries are going to disappear the Florida Keys are going to be underwater by the year 1990. Do you remember that crap? When you were growing up, we had, you know, there was a hole in the ozone layer, sea level rise. I mean, we were, we were doomed and none of it came to fruition. And I'll tell you why. So when I was in, my, my company sent me back to school to work on an environmental science associate's degree because we had a client that wanted somebody with product knowledge and industry knowledge. So the product knowledge was the product that we had implemented at their client site and industry knowledge would, would mean environmental. So this was for an environmental agency that was a client of ours 
And they wanted somebody that could speak their language but knew how the software worked. So they sent me back to school. Because these are things of interest to me as a post-apocalyptic dystopian author who just has this brain that just thinks up crazy shit. So I went back to school. And in the environmental law class that I had to take, uh, there was a presentation that the professor put up on the screen. And it was basically a, a counter-argument to all of the mass hysteria, the Greta Thunbergs and all of that. Oh, she, she addressed Congress. <laughs> we're, taking, we're taking scientific climate advice from, oh, what is she now, a 14, 15-year-old girl with purple hair, uh, blue hair. I, I don't know. It just, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I was I was so struck by what the professor had showed us and basically it was a it was a, like a YouTube clip and and what it did was it was a guy another scientist and 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 all throughout the other courses that I took uh it's kind of fun being older than your teacher because they automatically respect you as an elder <laughs> That's what you get <laughs> I had one instructor, she was she was from Puerto Rico, and uh, she thought it was funny as hell when I nicknamed her J-Lo. <laughs> she did, she looked kind of like J-Lo, and I was like, yeah, whatever J-Lo. And she was like, oh my god, what a great nickname, I love it. <laughs> so, anyway, um, the benefit of taking classes at night is that you're in there with other mature adults. And, and apparently, because of my age, they lumped me into this category. <laughs> oh, how little do they know. Anyway, um, every time she would present something, she would present it as fact. And then all of the, quote, adults in the room would push back on her. We're like, you know, that's not entirely true. I'm, you know, because... Get, you know, the advent of technology, we have literally a computer, a handheld computer in our hand in the form of a phone. So as she's talking, we're looking at each other like, what the hell? I, you almost made me drop an F-bomb right there. <laughs> what the hell? And so we would pull up anything that, anything that she said that kind of struck us odd or funny, We'd pull it up, and then when she was done talking, respectfully, we would say, eh, that's not entirely true. Or, and then we would ask the question, are you presenting a fact, or are you presenting an opinion? Because I've just got a dozen returned results on my little phone here that says what you just presented as fact is actually your opinion. That's what you've been taught, but you haven't done any research on your own, because... If you look at the climate models, every one of them has been manipulated by some leftist with an agenda. Every single one except one. And I hate to say it because of all the bullshit we went through with Trump and Russia, Russia, Russia. But the one model that is not manipulated, which shows actual data in real time, year over year, is the Russian data model. We kept pointing that out to her, like, look, you're giving us manipulated data. So automatically, what you're saying is not true, because you manipulated it to support your premise. 
You've done science in reverse. You need to start with a premise and then work your way toward a conclusion. But you're saying, because you came to this conclusion, therefore your premise should be climate change. And she did not like that at all. <laughs> but anyway, in the environmental uh, law class, the professor presented us with um, a presentation. It was, I believe it was a YouTube presentation. And he basically showed them using their own data models and their own data from their own systems, how they were manipulating the data based on the date that they were using. So to get to this, you go to my website. <laughs> you know an ad's coming now. Go to the website and then go to the resources menu and select environmental science. At the bottom of the environmental science page is all of the stuff, and you, it's broken up by the two classes that I took before COVID happened. Introduction to environmental science, that's J-Lo's class. She, <laughs> she amused me. And then uh, the other one was environmental law and regulations. So at the bottom of environmental laws and regulations, there's a, there's a, uh, a link called Climate Change Issues Presentation. So if you click on that, it'll open up a new window, or you can right-click and say open up in a new tab if you don't want to lose your place. And what it is is a 20-slide presentation in PDF format, and you want to go to the 20th slide. And down on that page, there's a big picture, basically, of this, I don't know, he looks like a... <laughs> a European wonk. I don't know what the, I don't know why I put that on there. Anyway, if you click on that, you get to listen to the YouTube presentation where he basically says, okay, well, you know, they're saying that uh, temperature rise has, this is an example of something that's in the presentation. Temperature rise has been steady and, uh, you know, uh, humans are adversely, uh, affecting the planet with um, fossil fuels and coal burning plants and what have you. And, it, and it's been on the rise since, you know, the 1940s or whatever. So what he does is he pulls up his monitor and shares his, shares his screen and says, actually, the reason they chose the date 1940 or 41 or 22 or whatever year that they're, that they're trying to present the, the, the data for he says, if you actually go backwards and choose a date much farther back, the climate model actually goes down. It was hotter before. We're actually cooling off. This is an example. So go watch the presentation. And that's why whenever anybody, especially a freaking idiot like Comrade Kamala Harris, says something stupid like... The crisis at the border is a result of climate change. One automatically gets my hackles up because she's an idiot. None of these people know jack squat about the climate. They don't know shit about environmentalism. You know what I love? I love my Ducks Unlimited membership because I know as a hunter that my donations, which are tax deductible, by the way, are going to help preserve natural habitats for migratory birds. 
It means a healthier ecosystem and healthier birds. You're not going in and filling in wetlands. Yeah, that's a problem. When Obama was president, I mean, they were they were classifying freaking potholes up in Minnesota as navigable waterways, and therefore the Army Corps of Engineers says you can't touch them. <laughs> what a crock of shit. Anyway, Ducks Unlimited is a great organization. Uh, I recommend them highly. I've taken some friends of mine to the uh, Ducks Unlimited banquets. Um, all of your donations go toward preserving wetlands and ecosystems. Um, so far, I think they've saved like 15 million acres. Uh, it's a it's a great organization, and I like the fact that my stuff is is my 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 donations are going toward doing that. They actually understand science, and they uh, yeah, look okay. I'll be the first to admit it is arrogant for humans to believe that our actions on this planet can cause adverse effects. So you look at all of the. Uh, you know, the, the 1800s turning into the 1900s and, you know, people were burning coal in their homes. London couldn't even, I mean, you couldn't even go outside in London after World War II. There was so much smog and, and, and just smoke from all of the, the plants and things like that. The, you know, the industrial plants. You know, look, I get it. Yeah, we made some mistakes. Industrial Revolution didn't help. I mean, we were burning through timber and coal faster than anybody in recorded history. But we've changed course. We're using cleaner energy, cleaner technologies. We're, we've got scrubbers coming out of our ears in some of these smokestacks and in these structures to get all of the, the carbon and the debris out of the, out of the exhaust so that we don't put it up in the atmosphere. But no... They don't know climate change, climate change, climate change. I mean, it just is unbelievable. So go check out this presentation. Like I said, it's on the website under the environmental science um, option there on the resources tab. And you'll actually learn a lot. So you'll actually become <laughs> very cynical when you're done watching it. <laughs> because it'll really piss you off to see how they're manipulating the data. But if you use unmolested data like the Russian model and you use data without date manipulation, the planet is actually getting healthier. It's getting better. But they don't want to tell you that because they got an agenda. And the scientists don't want to admit any of that because the minute they do, they lose their funding and they lose their cushy university jobs. And they don't want that. So... That's why they manipulate the data. That's why they, they, they slide that bar back and forth until they find the right date to start their supposed model to support their conclusion, which is climate change is killing us, the planet is dying, and all of that other hokum. And now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. Do you want to know more about what makes me tick? Then go to my website at davidjkirshner.com and read about my latest adventures on the blog, discover what books and websites I recommend, download my research white papers, find the latest episode of the podcast, and discover more recipes that were not in my Just a Small Gathering book. Or perhaps you want to contact me for advice, ask a question, or make a suggestion, 
then go to the contact page of my website at davidjkirshner.com. Best of all, everything is free. Now back to the show. Okay, and uh, there's one more thing I wanted to cover, and that's uh, a continuation of last week's conversation about police shootings. So we had one here in Ohio, uh, just down the road in Columbus, where a girl was attacking a neighbor or somebody else, uh, friend, I don't know, uh, she was attacking them with a knife. The cop is standing right there, trying to defuse the situation. The girl comes out from behind the car and tackles the other girl and tries to stab her with a knife. The cop grabs a hold of her, and he's yelling, Whoa, 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 knock it off, stop, stop! The girl gets away from the cop, and then charges a different girl, who's now pinned up against the side of a car. She's got the knife in her hand, she's about to plunge it into her body. The cop is faced with no other choice but to shoot her. She dies. It's tragic, and it's unfortunate. But that's what happened. And cue the left outrage. Some idiot actually said, well, why didn't he just, like, shoot her in the leg? Why didn't he, like, shoot her in the arm or something? Do you, oh, do you guys have any idea? Okay, so I was trying to get my NRA instructor certification before all of this COVID craziness happened and I can tell you with with 100% certainty the reason why you see news reports that say you know the cops fired 67 rounds and and the perpetrator only got hit three times is because when you're in the heat of the moment and you're trying to put around downrange into another person, it's extremely difficult. I mean, I'm shooting at paper targets. And as part of the instructor training, I got to put 20 rounds downrange. I can put them in groups of five or I can put them in group of 10, but I've got a target that's like maybe three inches in diameter. And I can't have more than a two inch spread among any two bullets that go into a particular target. That's hard. And I'm doing it from 15 feet away. You would think 15 feet. That's like standing next to somebody. Well, when you're talking about the geometry associated with the barrel and how your eye is lined up with the sights and trying to get around on target, now do that when everybody's screaming at you. There's a girl running around wielding a knife. She's about to plunge it into this other girl. I, frankly, I'm surprised the cop hit her three or four times. I'm really surprised he didn't hit the girl she was trying to stab. That guy is a really good shot. It's tragic and it's unfortunate, but that's what he was there to do. He was there to defuse the situation. He stopped one girl from getting murdered right in front of him. And unfortunately, he had to kill the other girl. Cue the leftist outrage. Here comes LeBron James. King James, I'm the master of all I survey. This guy can't walk down the street without being cordoned off by pretty much what looks like a freaking platoon of cops. And what is this 
jackass do? He gets up on Twitter and he says, hashtag you're next or, or you're next. You know, he actually threatened a cop on Twitter. Trump did far less and got banned for life. Do you not see how the left functions? The left functions exclusively in the realm of do as I say, not as I do. The left can do no wrong. The left will never punish another lefty. The left will always punish anybody in the center or on the right. Never another lefty. Never anybody that's in their little family of leftists. So you've got LeBron out there. Well, he he got such... (laughs) He had so many people piling on him that even the king himself couldn't withstand the pressure. He deleted the tweet. But the damage was done. It was forwarded and liked hundreds of thousands of times. But, you know, hey, what do I know? But, and then there's somebody, another kid, I think, and, oh, you'll love this one. So, BLM is out there protesting last week, and, you know, they're, they're taking a knee in front of the police commissioner's house or something. I don't know what they were doing. But they were, they were actually being peaceful for a change, which is shocking. I guess Antifa was taking the day off. And they got news that the police had shot a would-be carjacker. And they were, they were all getting their hackles up and they were all getting ready to march down to wherever, you know, the police headquarters or wherever it was. Maybe they were at the mayor's house and they were headed to the police headquarters or something like that. They're all getting ready to march. They're getting organized. And then somebody says, oh, the guy the cop shot was white. <laughs> What'd they do? Oh, he was a whitey. He was a cracker. Meh. All right. Back to kneeling, everybody. We don't have to march for that. He killed a white guy. We don't care. That's where we are in this country. And, oh, if you don't bow to them and say, Black Lives Matter, you know. I saw a car the other day, and on that car, I mean, it was a a fairly new car. Easily in the $20,000 range. This guy was so passionate about his cause that he had spray-painted or or hand-painted all over his car. And what that car, what he had painted was white silence equals violence. What? No. Look, when America saw that Derek Chaffin or Chauvin or whatever, the cop in Minneapolis... When America saw that video with his knee on that dude's neck on the street for seven to nine minutes, depending on whose attorney you're listening to, America as a whole was outraged, was pissed off and mortified. That, what the hell? Okay. But they didn't take the collective outrage of that and turn it into something positive. What they did was, they said, look, whitey's keeping the black man down. White cop kills another black man. 
And they went and burned the city down. They went crazy. Instead of thinking through how this tragedy could be something useful to bring about real, tangible police reform and tactics and training, I don't think as any single police force in the country has trained their cadets and future police officers in submission holds that last seven to nine minutes on a man who's already cuffed and on the ground, but by putting your knee in his neck. All right. I don't think anybody's been trained to do that. That was done out of malice, in my opinion. And I think it was way over the line. He could have, he, he was subdued. The guy wasn't going anywhere. You could have picked him up after two or three minutes and put him in the squad car. Yes, I understand he was on meth. I get it. But he wasn't doing anything but laying on the ground for seven to nine minutes. You could have picked him up at, at well before the, the time of death. And he'd still be alive. And most of Minneapolis would still be standing and not a charred ruin. But... There was another shooting in North Carolina, and of course, you know, they don't want to talk about the facts of that case, so, you know, Antifa and BLM are on their way there now, I'm sure. You know, this has got to end, man, and, and it's not defund the police, because here's what cities have done. They said, oh, cops are bad, and, and we're going to have social workers. Oh, my goodness, I, I saw an article where somebody... Some some idiot leftist on some news channel said, "Well, that 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 whole situation down in Columbus, Ohio, that could have been diffused by a social worker." <laughs> social workers are not equipped or trained to deal with hormonally challenged, knife wielding teenagers bent on killing somebody. They're there to listen. How do you feel? How does that make you feel? Well, let's talk about some classes that we can take to work on these anger issues. No, that girl would have knifed the social worker. But it's getting, this is, it's well beyond the point of getting out of control. And I, I just don't see how the left, whether it's a political entity or an organization like BLM, well, it's not, or Antifa is not an organization. It's just a thought, according to our benevolent little dictator Biden. It's just an idea. Antifa is just an idea. <laughs> no! They're club wielding loons who don't like anything. They're into anarchy. That's it. And the thing that cracks me up about Antifa is their actual name means anti fascist, but <laughs> their very premise behind the things that they do, are in fact fascist. They are the they are Hitler's brown shirts. <laughs> Crystal knocked, that's Antifa. Anybody that doesn't agree with them, anybody that doesn't toe the party line, gets beaten by a two-by-four, gets beaten by a club, gets their business burned down, gets looted, windows broken, inventory stolen, 
They are Hitler's brown shirts. Period. But, uh, I don't know. That's enough of that. So, I was checking out my stocks. And, uh, and everybody's made money. All of my stock picks, they're all making money. They're all in the green. Except for three. And all three of them are tied to, to Europe. And because Europe's run by socialists and progressives, they're going to waffle until they, they inoculate most of the European continent. Really, the one that's screwing me is, uh, is Credit Suisse, the USOI ticker symbol. Um, that, one's, that one's screwing me the most. And the other one is uh, uh, Tazakos. Uh, it's a Greek shipping company. So they, they, until they inoculate most of the European continent, uh, I'm going to be in the red on those for a while, I think. And, and Biden's uh, tax hikes, they're not going to do anything uh, except make the market tank. And, you know, Senator Scott from South Carolina, he, he went on there and he, he was being interviewed. And he said, uh, 2021, the American economy is, is primed to come roaring back. But here's the problem. You have Biden in the White House. Just, I mean, I think somebody's literally on standing next to the wall, spinning a dartboard like a game show, and Kamala's just chucking darts at it to see what crazy dumbass idea they can come up with next. I hope to, I hope Senator Scott is right. I really do. I hope the American economy comes back. But if it does, it'll be in spite of Biden and Harris and their idiotic policies and executive orders it'll come back because the american people are sick of their shit it'll come back because americans are going to start just doing whatever the hell they want they're going to go back to being americans and for the people that have two shots moderna pfizer if you got two shots and still wearing a mask you are a total moron you don't need to wear the mask anymore. That's what I love about Ted Cruz. And truth be told, in 2016, Ted Cruz was my guy. I wanted him in the White House. I like him. I like Marco Rubio, too. I really do. I think they're good. I, I think that uh, as a political party, the Republican Party needs to be embracing uh, younger candidates. I was, I was truly shocked that Trump won... The, uh, the primaries and was the nominee in 2016. Truly, truly shocked. So, I don't know. But Americans are getting sick of all of the, the lockdowns. <laughs> the governor of, of uh, Michigan, she, <laughs> she can do no right. Uh, you know, she's taking secret trips to Florida for vacation because she wants to get the hell out of Michigan because it's cold up there. It's cold. Winter is like six, seven months up there. Okay? <laughs> so she and her family decided to go to Florida on vacation. But they tried to keep it a secret. <laughs> and the press followed them and splashed it all over the newspaper. So the people of Michigan are like, you know what, Whitmer? <laughs> Screw you. 
here's your mask. <laughs> I'm opening my business back up. You can go pound sand. You know, it's total, total bullshit. <laughs> oh, okay, let's take a break and and then we'll uh, we'll talk about hyperinflation and what that means and see how we can avoid it or what might precipitate it. All right, be right back. And now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. If you like the show and are curious as to how my mind works, then pick up my five-part fictional series today. In a nutshell, over the course of When Rome Stumbles, Hannibal is at the gates by the dawn's early light, colder weather, and a time for reckoning, I crash the big ag and financial industries, unleash some jihadists and an EMP, then we spend 20 years trying to evade a socialist dictator. All five parts are available in paperback and electronic formats. Parts 1 through 3 are in audio format, and parts 4 and 5 will be in audio format by the end of the year. Now back to the show. All right, so last week we talked about how uh, a member of Congress had uttered the words hyperinflation, and they had also uh, quietly said the word default, because government spending is out of control, and we're running out of ways to pay for it. When we start getting less and less in terms of tax revenue, and we can't pay for stuff, and we have these massive stimulus bills that just adds to our debt, eventually there are going to be other countries that are not willing to pick up our debt. So therefore, we will be in default. When we start to default, prices are going to go up. Our economy is going to tank. So hyperinflation is basically it's a term that's used to describe uh, a rapid, excessive, out-of-control general price increases in the economy. And we've had uh, micro-inflation, if you want to call it that, um, over the years, where, you know, in, in the 1930s, during the, uh, the Great Depression, we, uh, we got up to about 10% was our inflation rate, Okay. That was enough to pretty much tank the entire economy. I mean, yeah, they lost all that money on the stock exchange. But you know the funny thing is how much money was in the stock exchange in 1932? It was like, it was at, the, the Dow was at like 1,000. The Dow now is at like 35,000. It's going to take a lot to cripple the economy and tank the economy. But <laughs> rest assured, Biden's doing his best to try and find it. He's trying to find a way to kill it. Because there's nothing a lefty and a socialist would love more than to hand an incoming Republican president a fixed deck like a depression and a tanked economy and say, well, they couldn't fix it. You should put a Democrat back in the White House because they don't know what they're doing and because the Republicans going to do everything they can to resist the urge to go spend a whole bunch of money. I mean, yeah, I get it. Trump had to do it. He was pretty much forced to do it because of COVID, because all the Democratic governors shut down their states. And when they shut down their states, they laid off everybody because businesses weren't allowed to be open. So he had to figure out a way to keep people getting paid without bankrupting the country 
in terms of state finances. So you get stimulus checks. You, you, you know, here, go pay your rent, go buy some groceries. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll put a stipulation in here that says landlords, landlords are on the hook for paying their own mortgages without the benefit of collecting rent. And you're not allowed to kick anybody out during the pandemic for not paying their rent. So they put that little clause in there to keep Pelosi and her little gaggle of sycophants happy. So hyperinflation is what's going to happen if we start tacking on more and more debt and then we can't figure out a way to pay for it. So what that does is uh, you when the, when the economy expands, it's called expansion. And so they expand the government, they expand social programs, they spend, spend, spend. And then when you do that, it, it's called expansion. It'll reach a peak, and then they go, oh, that's not sustainable. That's too much money. We can't afford that. Then it, it's what. Then they contract. It's called contraction. And it takes it back into a trough. And then it'll, uh, it'll expand again, and then it'll contract, expand, contract like an accordion. But when it does that, it, it levels out and averages out the uh, rate of inflation. Countries like Zimbabwe and Argentina, they've experienced hyperinflation where basically they knock three or four zeros off of their currency. So if you have a $10 bill and they start knocking zeros off, that $10 bill is worth about a penny. That $100 bill is worth about a dollar. So... If you look back in, in time, we had, like I said, it was uh, the rate of inflation in 1932 was 10.3%. The year after World War II ended, we had inflation at 18%. And then it doesn't clear 10% again until 1974. You've got the oil shortages. You've got Watergate. Well, technically, the oil shortages were during Carter's years in the late 70s, but it was at 9 and 13% during that. Um, and then it, it, it never goes above, uh, looks like 4.5% around the late 90s. And even, even after 9-11, the, the inflation rate was at 1.6 and 2.4%. So... How to explain this. The reason that the American inflation rate has stayed artificially low is because the Fed is printing money 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They're flooding the, the economy with cash. So the, there are two main causes for inflation. So you have a cost push and a demand pull. A cost Cost push is when the price of manufacturing goes up. So that's raw materials, that's labor, uh, things like that. So that will, the manufacturer says, oh, well, you know, steel costs me 10, 15, 20% more. My workers unionized and that cost me another 10, 25%. 
Um, so the cost of the manufacturing went up, therefore the price of the finished product went up. That's called a cost push. And the other one is a demand pull. So a demand pull is when supply is limited compared to the demand. So there's more demand for the product, but there's not enough product. Therefore, until more product shows up, that product gets more expensive. It pulls prices higher. That's why it's called a demand pull. That's just normal inflation, okay? Hyperinflation is caused by two primary things as well. The first one is an increase in the money supply, which is not supported by economic growth. Therefore, inflation goes up. So what that means is, because the Fed is printing a shit ton of money, but the states have locked down all of the people, and nobody's working, you already have step one of hyperinflation in this country. We have too much money, not enough workers. Okay? And the second one is a demand pull inflation in which demand outstrips supply. But both of these things are linked because they overload the demand side of the supply-demand equation. Now we're going to, like, there's a little bit of history there. So you know, the, the Weimar Republic, they went through this in 1923. This is kind of what gave rise to Hitler and the Nazis. Uh, the, the government injected so much money into the economy that hyperinflation resulted. And the demand pull inflation effect happens primarily because people have more money creating a willingness to pay higher prices, which increases demand. It seems illogical, but that's economy or that's economics, and that's kind of how it works. So, but hyperinflation is very, very rare, um, and it can have fatal, catastrophic effects on a nation's economy. And that's where that's where we're headed, because we've got stimulus checks going out to people that are still employed picking up paychecks because we're working remotely. I didn't get a stimulus check because of the way that they configured who was eligible for the check. I make too much money through all of my various exploits based off of my tax return. I did not, I was above their threshold, their cutoff. So they, they basically, they had two. One was if you make X or less, then you get a stimulus check in, in full. If you make between X and Y, then we're going to prorate it. But once you clear Y, you don't get a check. Well, I was above Y. But because we're married filing separately, because we get reamed on taxes if we're married filing jointly, my wife, she was below X. So she got a check. And on her taxes, she claims the two girls, my two daughters. I take all of the, the donations. I take all of the, uh, the cash donations, the material donations, like the Goodwill. I take all of the, uh, the, the mortgage interest, all of that crap. I take all of that into my taxes, and my wife takes um, the girls. And it's about even. That way we kind of come out. We're trying, what you're trying to do is hit zero. So, but every year, it, I mean, because of the way we split it up, I've tried moving things around. But anyway, 
long story short, she and the girls qualified for a stimulus check. I did not. But both of us were still employed throughout the entire pandemic. So now, if you look at that demand pull, we fit that category. And so did a lot of people in the country. Because they were still pulling paychecks because they were able to work remotely. Or they were considered an essential business or an essential worker. So you got a stimulus check and you got a paycheck. So what'd you do with your stimulus check? Well, <laughs> a lot of people went and bought a gun because of BOM and Antifa and the ongoing riots in every freaking city over every little freaking thing. So you have part of that, okay? So you've actually, this country's already got both of them, but we don't have enough of both to cause hyperinflation. So what does hyperinflation mean to you when it comes to, to cost? So, so let's, I'll give you an example. So if, if America hits hyperinflation of 1,000%, just for whole numbers sake, in, in 2020, a cup of coffee, I don't know where the hell they got this chart, but they said a cup of coffee is $2. Well, that's crap. Let's go to a different one. Uh, a gallon of milk was three fifty, three dollars and fifty cents. With a thousand percent in from uh, in hyperinflation, you just slide that decimal point on over, and now that gallon of milk is thirty eight fifty. That's hyperinflation. That's what that looks like. That's going to put a lot of people out of work. That's going to make a lot of people really angry, and that might be one of the precipitating factors that leads to a second civil war in this country. Because Americans, by and large, they love a good fight, and they love an underdog, and they are not going to put up with this crap. <laughs> that actually sounded a little bit like <laughs> one of Patton's speeches. <laughs> so that's, that's what hyperinflation is. That's kind of how it works. It, it's, a, it's a cost push, meaning manufacturing costs went up, therefore the price of goods went up, and a demand pull, like ammo. So... The price of ammo is going up because you can't find the ammo. So the people that do have the ammo are charging more and more for it because the manufacturers, like Remington, for example, uh, they can't keep up with demand. So you get the cost push, you get the demand pull, you get enough of it, you get hyperinflation. And that's it. That's the show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a little something about hyperinflation and how to keep an eye on that. Uh, our government's not doing us any favors. It's being run by a bunch of toddlers who are prone to temper tantrums and giving in to the mob. So best of luck in the coming week, and we will talk again soon. Bye-bye. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor.